0: I want to say to all the boys and girls grades one through six that I look forward to seeing you at five o'clock this afternoon for our Owls Pals meeting. I think most of you last Sunday got a copy of this Owls Pals worship folder. But if not, there's someone in the lower lobby and the upper lobby to give you a copy. And we want you to take uh, good notes on uh, Brother Al and Pastor Brian's sermons over the four Sundays of Al's Pals. And we have a big Al's Pals extravaganza on the third Saturday in September. For the 42nd time, and for the last time as your pastor, I stand before you to give to you the state of the church, the state of Lakeview Baptist Church. And so I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and find Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to begin in Ephesians chapter 5, but we're going to look in several places in God's Word as we think about the health and life and vitality of Lakeview Baptist Church. Now, through the years, when I've given State of the Church Address in those early years, uh, most of my assessment was built around buildings and baptisms and budgets, and we've certainly had our share of those. That's an important metric. To, to measure the health of the church. But I'm convinced as I come to retirement that that metric is not sufficient, it's not adequate. And uh, some years ago I developed a different metric which I want to use uh, again today. You have an insert there, it's, it's called Five Axioms of a Healthy Church. And uh, I hope you'll take it and keep it in your Bible and. Use it as a a measure of your own spiritual health and your own churchmanship. But let me say uh, at the outset that uh, we read in Ephesians chapter five that Paul, writing to the Ephesian Christians said, "'Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church "'and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her, by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It's unmistakably clear that Jesus loves his church. He shed his blood that uh, the church might come into existence, that we might be reconciled to our holy God. And his purpose for us is that, look again in verse 27, that we be a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish but holy and blameless. Now someday when we are ushered into the presence of the Lord, uh, our salvation will be complete. But we're on a journey now and we are seeking to be increasingly conformed to the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ so that individually as followers of Christ and collectively as the members of Lakeview Baptist Church, we are reflecting the holy character of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so a healthy church knows its purpose. Now some 37 or eight or nine years ago, as a church we adopted this simple one sentence declarative statement about our purpose. You, you see it in our, in our printed materials, you see it on our website, uh, you see it posted around the building. And I want you to say it with me this morning. We believe that God's purpose for Lakeview Baptist Church is to love the Lord God and to express that love by making, nurturing, and equipping disciples of Jesus Christ in Auburn and throughout the world. And what you have in this simple purpose statement is a combination of the great uh, commandment which Jesus said is to love God and to love your neighbor and the great commission which is to go to all the nations and make disciples of the nations. And so this is our our North Star. This is what we are about. Uh, there's really no reason for uh, this church to be doing anything other than what God has called us to do. And this is a, a simple statement to remind us it, when we invest the resources of our church, whether it's financial or our time or whatever it may be, that in some way it is to express our love for God and, uh, and for one another and to seek to declare the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only here in Auburn but to the ends of the earth. And so it's important for us to annually take a spiritual examination as a church. Every year in October I go see my physician, Dr. Fuller. That's my birth month and he runs all manner of tests on me to determine the, the state of my physical health. The Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. And I believe it's appropriate for us annually as we have done now since 1980 to examine ourselves and to see how we measure up against the standards of Holy Scripture given to us. So... This morning, think with me about the five axioms of a healthy church. These are axioms that I've fleshed out over the course of my many years as a pastor. And uh, I commend them to you as a, not an infallible guide, but a, a, a worthy guide for us to think about how we are doing as a church. And may I say, as we work our way through these five axioms, that there is much, I want to underline that word much, there is much for us. Uh, to celebrate, and for which to give thanks to God for what He has done for us and what He is continuing to do for us. The first axiom is, in a healthy church, God's people love God. Therefore, they worship Him passionately. In a healthy church, God's people love God. And because they love God, they worship Him passionately. Look with me in Psalm 63. Psalm 63 verses one through five, and there we're gonna see uh, the passion that David, the sweet singer of Israel, had for God. We know elsewhere that David was a man after God's own heart. And though he sinned greatly, he was deeply repentant over his sin. But he was a man who truly loved God and worshipped him with great passion. And so let's look at it in verses 1 through 5. Look first in verse 1. Here we see that David's worship of God was personal. Oh God, you are my God. Now, he was the God of all of Israel, but he was also David's God. David had a personal love for God. Earnestly I seek you. Not only was his worship personal, it was passionate. He was seeking God earnestly. No half-heartedness in his searching for God. And notice the words he uses in the latter part of verse one to describe his pursuit of God. My soul thirsts for you. My body thirsts longs for you. I remember when I was playing high school football and we had two days in the summer. And uh, when I was a freshman and a sophomore, we were not allowed to have any water. And uh, somebody from up high, I don't know who, but somebody sent word down that we need to hydrate these players. So when I was a junior and senior, we would get water. But I remember how thirsty we would get. And we would hide little water bottles in in the grass. And when the coaches weren't looking, we'd get us and say, we we had to have water. We thought we were going to die if we didn't have any water. Uh, David had to know God. He was thirsty for God. His body longed to know God in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Verse 2, he talks about encountering God in the sanctuary. I have seen you in the sanctuary and have beheld your power and your glory. Have you ever seen God in this worship center? Oh. I have. I don't mean visibly, but I mean I've encountered God. I've encountered His manifest presence many, many times. It's, it's, a, it's amazing to me that someone could come in here and be a part of this late new Year's worship experience and go away bored. If that's the case, the problem's not with God, the problem's in your own heart. I have seen you in the sanctuary, I beheld your power. And your glory. Verse 3 uh, Because your love is better than life. Do you believe the love of God is better than life? David did. He said, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. David's worship of God was verbal. He didn't sit back with his arms folded while uh, the congregation was singing the praise of God. He was uh, exercising his vocal cords to glorify God. Verse four, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I don't think you have to lift up hands to prove you love Jesus. And I don't think uplifted hands necessarily means you're walking with the Lord. You could be as crooked as a snake and raise your hands and go live like the devil during the week. But but sometimes it's just there, it's just gotta come out, you know what I mean? You love the Lord and you wanna follow this biblical pattern to, to worship God. Verse five, my soul will be satisfied uh, as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. Now let me say what I've, you've heard me say a multitude of times as your pastor. Nothing, no nothing, No, nothing is more important than the worship of our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit. We've been made by God to know Him, to glorify Him, and to worship Him. And that's ultimate, and everything else is penultimate. And so, we worship God. Now, we've come to the place in the American Evangelical Church where worship is is equated with singing. I think that's unfortunate. Singing praise to God is certainly a, a very direct way to express our love for God. But, but worship is the, is the preaching of the word and listening to the word expounded. Worship is the giving of our tithes and offerings. Worship is, 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 is rejoicing with, with new believers who have been uh, baptized. Worship is gathering at the Lord's table to take of the bread and the cup given to us by Jesus. Worship is the fellowship of the, of the people of God. Worship is obedience to God. And I don't say that to denigrate singing praise to God. I know of no church that sings as well as Lakeview Baptist Church, and I know of no place I'd rather sing with than right here. When Keith and Kristen Getty were here for a few years ago, Keith said to Adam and me during concert, or during uh, intermission, They were here that morning and that night and uh, in the intermission at night, uh, he said, uh, I'm really amazed at how well these Lakeview people sing. He said, I know of only two other churches that sing as well as Lakeview and they've gone around the world. Now, if that's so, why is it so? It's because we love Jesus. What's down in the well's gotta come up in the bucket. when we go to Jordan-Hare on Saturday afternoon in the fall? Why do we yell war eagle? We love our tigers. We we don't plan to do it, it just happens. And when we come to the Lord's house on the Lord's Day, why do we sing loudly and lustily our praise for our coming king? Because we love him. In a healthy church, God's people love God. Therefore, they worship Him passionately. There's nothing dull or boring about genuine, authentic, spirit oriented worship. It is God-glorifying and soul-satisfying. We're talking about a healthy church and a healthy church loves God. They worship Him passionately. Axiom two. In a healthy church, God's people love God's word, therefore they obey its precepts wholeheartedly. Look in Psalm 119, uh, which is the longest psalm, longest chapter in the Bible. And we'll look at verses 97 through 104. Psalm 19, we're talking about love for the word of God and flowing out of that love, obedience to God. Now you're gonna see, those concepts here in this, this portion of Psalm 119. Love for the word, obedience to the word. Look for it. Verse 97, oh how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies where they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders for I obey your precepts. Now let's just stop right there. Verse 97, I love your law. Verse ni- uh, 100, I obey your precepts. We're gonna see obedience again, look in verse 101. I have kept my feet from every evil path. Now how do we know what the evil paths are? We learned it from the scriptures. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. In a healthy church, God's people love God's Word. And they study God's Word, not just to learn facts and figures uh, about uh, biblical history or personalities, but they study God's Word to be conformed to the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. to, to, To know the right paths in which to walk so they can obey God and please God. We obey God's Word because God's Word is our authority. God is our authority, but God has revealed Himself to us, His mind and heart to us in the pages of Holy Scripture. What we know about God, we know from the pages of the Bible. And when the Bible speaks, God speaks, and that settles it. There's no debate after that. Either we come under its authority and submit And obey, or we find ourselves in rebellion against God. Now, the Bible is no ordinary book. This is not the book of the month. This is the book of the ages. And and the Apostle Paul said to to Timothy, all Scripture is God-breed. Every word comes from the very mouth of God and is profitable or useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, or training in righteousness. And so that's why from this pulpit we preach the Bible. That's what I've done for 42 years. That's what Pastor Brian's gonna do for the next 42 years. And uh, when one of us is not preaching, one of our associate pastors, when they do it, that's what they're gonna do. And if they don't do it, then they'll have to come and have a little bit session with the pastors about that. But They're gonna do that, we're not worried about that. And furthermore, every Sunday school class from preschool to senior adults is teaching the Word of God. We don't want to squander our Sunday school. I were talking about the ball game the day before. Do that some other time. We're here to know God through His Word. And we read it, we trust it, we obey it. We're riding the old T and O, the trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And what is the end result? We are conformed. To the likeness of Jesus. We're not there yet, but we're on the way. The journey has begun. And the longer we walk with Jesus, the more like him we become. And someday when the trumpet of God sounds and Jesus comes at the end of the age, then we will be perfected. So, in a healthy church, God's people love God's word. Therefore, they obey its precepts wholeheartedly. Axiom three, in a healthy church, God's people love one another. Therefore, they live together harmoniously. Look in First John chapter 4, verses 10, 11, and 12. In a healthy church, that's what we want to be. In a healthy church, God's people love one another. And because they love one another, they can live together harmoniously. Look in verse 10, 1 John 4, verse 10. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. There's the gospel right there. Jesus died in our place to atone for our sins, to pay the sin debt that you and I could never pay so that if we would put our faith in him, we would be forgiven of our sins, reconciled to God and become a child of God. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, he demonstrated that love for us on the cross, we also ought to love one another. We, we, we love one another because God loved us and we, and we wanna love other people in the way that God loved us. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So we learned that love is a distinguishing mark of what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. On well, the night before Jesus' uh, crucifixion, as he gathered with uh, the 12 in the upper room, he said to them, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. He said, by this, that is by your obvious, visible, tangible love one another. He said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now we've come up with all kinds of ways to let people know we follow Jesus. Uh, it might be a cross on a necklace for a lady, it might be a bumper sticker on your car, honk if you love Jesus, that, that's fine. But Jesus said, here's how you demonstrate to the world that you are my follower. You love the brothers and sisters in the family of faith. And that is, that means that those who love one another do not fuss and fight with one another. They live in harmony with one another. Let me give you another parallel passage to First John. Look in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Paul had a great love for the church in Philippi, but there was some trouble there. Uh, there was some... Uh, in the church, some sisters that didn't get along and stirring up trouble. Anyway, in chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Now, to be like-minded doesn't mean that you and I dot every T identically or cross uh, every I identically or cross every T identically. It just means that we have a common mind to glorify God. Having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others." Now, just over a year ago, just under a year ago, I announced to you my intention uh, to uh, retire October 31, 2021. And I said, uh, this is a year that uh, is filled with peril and danger because when you have a transition from any pastor to another pastor, but especially from a long-tenured pastor to another pastor, you can be sure that our adversary, the devil, is lurking in the shadows, seeking to pounce upon us and destroy this unity of spirit that we've had for decades. Now, I said to you then, based on Ephesians chapter four, first three verses, that this was a call to holiness and humility. Because when you combine holiness and humility, you get, you get harmony. And we've had it. Our pastor search committee did a superb job in finding God's man in Brian Payne to be the next pastor of Lakeview. And we have gone through this transition and I have heard no, nothing, I mean nothing negative about the transition for which I give thanks to God. What I didn't see coming, and I should have seen it, was the peril that we face about differing views about how to deal with the pandemic. And I'm telling you, the devil would like to disrupt this fellowship over how we respond to this pandemic. Now, your pastors, all of us, ten of us now 11 with Brian, and your 12 deacons, we have consulted now for a year and a half with our doctors. We are seeking the wisdom of God about how to do this. And and sometimes we 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 make recommendations that 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 you don't like and and it, it, it becomes an occasion to kind of bow your back up and say, well, nobody can make me do anything. Now, I want to ask you this question. Does that attitude honor the Lord Jesus Christ? You know it doesn't. Probably the, the, the one sentence that I've ever quoted more than any other in all the years I've been your pastor was from my utmost source highest by Oswald Chambers. And here it is, and I'm going to give it to you again the only right that a Christian has is the right to give up his rights. So if you think having your rights is worth disrupting our fellowship, then I want to say as your pastor, repent. We must, we must by the grace of God yield our rights and do whatever it takes to guard the unity of the spirit in the bond of and we pray that someday soon this pandemic will be behind us but let the members of Lakeview Baptist Church be like a shining light to the whole community that we are together in Christ even if sometimes we have to give up our preferences about how we gather on the Lord's day In a healthy church, God's people love one another. Therefore, they live together harmoniously. Axiom four. In a healthy church, God's people love the lost. Therefore, they proclaim the gospel faithfully. Look in Romans chapter nine, verses one through four. Apostle Paul says, a great missionary, theologian, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned this marvelous letter to the church in Rome. And in chapter 9, he bears his heart, his love for his fellow Jewish people, the Israelites. Look how much he loved them. Romans chapter 9, verse 1, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit, now watch this in verse two. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Paul was heartbroken that most of the people of Israel had rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Verse three, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Unthinkable, unimaginable. He was saying, if it it were possible to do so, I would gladly lay aside my own salvation if it meant that the people of Israel would come and embrace Jesus as the Messiah. I can't imagine such an extraordinary burden God burden us for the loss. Many, many of you have a burden for the loss, I know that. You pray for lost friends and family members to be saved. Many of you are sharing the gospel in the normal traffic patterns of life. As we do so, we are simply following in the, in the pathway of Jesus. Jesus said uh, in Luke 19, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Men and women without Christ are lost, not condemned someday, but condemned already without Christ. And Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I send You, we are sent out by our commander in chief. We proclaim the gospel because we care about the eternal destiny of lost sinners. And we proclaim the gospel because we have good news to share and God's favor is on us. Do you understand that? Do you know that when I baptized earlier in this service that was 30 Sundays in a row that we've had one or two or more people to baptize. 30 Sundays in a row. This is the favor of God on us. And yet, there are multitudes in our city who are lost. Yeah, there are many thousands of people in churches in Auburn, Alabama today, but there are many more thousands, not in anybody's church. Our population now is 76,000 people, 2020 census. And if you think most of those 76,000 people are in church, you're you're, you're sadly mistaken. They're people that need Jesus. We work with them, we go to school with them, we, we play ball with them, we live in the neighborhood with them. In a healthy church, God's people love lost sinners, and they proclaim the gospel faithfully. Some of you may be thinking, well, I'm not sure how to go about sharing my faith. Well, I got some good news for you. We'll train you. Uh, Several weeks ago, staff, we talked about having some equipping classes to share the gospel. We've got some age graded for youth and college, and other, other ones, and Pastor Brian's going to teach a class himself. If you're not in one of the other classes, everybody in this church ought to be there. Pastor Brian's evangelism class coming up uh, I think it's going to be in October but stay tuned for the, the place and the date. We, we will help you learn to sit down with someone that you're concerned about and explain to them the gospel and how they can know Christ personally. That's coming. That's coming. Now, the fifth and final action of a healthy church is, in a healthy church, God's people love the nations. Therefore, they go to all the earth fearlessly. And in this day, it is fearlessly. Look uh, back in Psalm 67, great missionary uh, psalm, Psalm 67. we look at the first five verses and... uh, psalmist writes, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine on us. Who wouldn't want God's face to shine upon Him? Have the the favor of God, the grace of God, the blessing of God. Verse 2, that your ways will be known on earth and your salvation among all the nations. There it is. God has blessed us that we might bless others. Our Our gospel mandate is is not just uh, the Auburn city limits or the Lee County line. Uh, We're to make disciples here but everywhere. Look at it again. Verse 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us and that your ways will be known on earth, your salvation among all the nations. We have been grace by God to proclaim his grace to those who don't know his name. Verse three, may the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Now in verse two, we see this word this, this word nations. In verse three, we see this word peoples. It's really one and the same. God desires to receive the praise of all the peoples of the earth and all the nations of the earth. Now, if you've been at Lakeview even a short time, you know this. But uh, w- when we see this word "nations" or "peoples" in the Bible, we're not talking about uh, Germany and Brazil and China. There are just over 200 political states or countries in the world. But according to the Joshua Project, there are 000, excuse me, 17,406 different nations. Now, one of my sweet spots to, to minister is in uh, Kenya in East Africa, and uh, in Kenya there are 50-something nations. They're all Kenyans. One president, but 50-something nations, peoples, tribes. Uh, Luo, Kipsugi, Maasai, Turkana, Samburu, and others. Distinct tribes have their own language, dialect, and their own social mores. And it is God's intention that we declare the good news of salvation to every one of these 17,406 groups. Now, there are almost 8 billion people in the world, we'll be there soon, but at least 3 billion 270 million people do not have access to the gospel. Therefore, they can't be glad in God. They're they're to be glad in God. Look in verse four and five. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you. O God, may all the peoples praise you. We just come on the Lord's day and we praise the Lord, and we know our sins are forgiven. But there are multitudes who do not praise the Lord because they've they've never heard the name Jesus. Nobody's ever told them uh, that a Savior has come who suffered and bled and died and rose on the third day. That all who repent and believe in Him would be saved. No, they can't. Be, they can't be glad in a God they don't know. And so they they just. Go on, year after year, generation after generation after generation, carrying the guilt of their sin. They know themselves to be guilty. They try to appease their guilt with these foreign religions, but they are bound up in demonic idol worship. Gods who cannot speak or hear who will never forgive them. There is only one true and living God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior. And we are to declare the gospel to all men and women everywhere. So that they may be glad in God. And when we are glad in God, God is glorified in us. So how are we doing? I've got some good news to share with you. It's been a challenging, because of the pandemic, year. But it's been a fruitful year. This past year, our people gave a record, gifts to the Annie Armstrong offering for North American missions. For the first time ever, we've been over $100,000. This year, Lakeview people gave a record to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering International Missions for the first time ever, $270,000. Our total mission gifts for years and years and years now have been north of a million dollars that we fund the work beyond our local community. Let me give you something even better. Like you people are a generous people when it comes to giving, especially to missions. But our greatest contribution is not what we give. We're not a wealthy church. And we love our students, but students don't have a lot to give. Nothing personal there, young men and women. But I tell you what we do have to give, we have people And God, in his grace, planted this church, Lakeview Baptist Church, in the late 1950s to be a lighthouse, not just to Auburn, Alabama, and Lee County, but to the nations. And as we gather this morning, we have 83 Lakeview people scattered around the world proclaiming the gospel of the saving grace of Christ. Eighty-three. Do you know how unusual this is? There are tens of thousands of Southern Baptist churches that have no missionary, and we have 83. If you are a student of church history, then you have read about the Moravians, uh, a group of followers of Christ Uh, in the early years of the 18th century. So this is like almost 300 years ago. And when it comes to sending out missionaries, the Moravians are considered by missiologists to be the gold standard. They're they're the leaders. Well, during the 18th century, when uh, they were leading the way The Moravians sent out one missionary for every 60 members of their churches. One for every 60. For Lakeview, it's one for every 23 members. You think about that. One for every 23 members of our church is serving overseas to bear the gospel of Christ. This is God's favor. We must nurture this and fuel this with our prayers and with our gifts and with our encouragement. God is raising them up. It's been a tough year this last year, but over the course of the last 12 months when I last reported to you at the State of the Church Address, We sent out a single man to United Kingdom. We sent out a married man to United Kingdom. His wife is not a Lake Viewer. We sent out a married, some of them are still on hold because of the pandemic, but they were were appointed by mission agencies. A married couple to Southeast Asia, another married couple with another agency to Southeast Asia, two single women to East Africa and two single women to the Middle East. That's 10 in the last year, during the years of the pandemic. This is the favor of God. Now, it doesn't just happen. So, our missions pastor and I did a little research and we counted up all the countries that a Lakeview missionary is currently serving in or has served in or we've had a mission team there for a short time. And, uh, Lakeview people have been in eighty nine countries bearing witness to the gospel of Christ. We didn't send any teams out for well over a year, but we had a team just go and come back from a very difficult place in the Middle East, led by our missions pastor, and uh, we're just we're just poised on ready, waiting to go when the doors open. We need to pray against this pandemic so we can get it on. when I was a freshman at Auburn. That's a long time ago, students. Long before your mom and daddy were born. I read these words by J.B. Phillips in the introduction to his translation of the New Testament. He, He said, and I quote, the great difference between present day Christianity and that of which we read in these New Testament letters is that to us, it is primarily a performance. To them, it was a real experience. We are out to reduce the Christian religion to a code, or at best, a rule of heart and life. To these men, it is quite plainly the invasion of their lives by a new quality of life altogether. They do not hesitate to describe this as Christ living in them. That's the difference right there. If you have a genuine saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't contain it. When you're walking in the spirit, you can't. Now everything about Lakeview that is commendable and praiseworthy is because of the grace of God. Not me, not you just God's favor upon us we seek the Lord we'll find him and he will empower us to declare boldly fearlessly the message of salvation in the easy places and in the hard places where few have dared to go So for the last time, as pastor, by the grace of God and for the glory of God, I declare to you that the health of Lakeview Baptist Church is strong. Tell you what, why don't you stand back up again because I want us to I want us to read together the covenant. Come on, Adam, you you can just come on. Now before we read it, I want to say to you the best is yet to be. I love my pastor. The best is yet to be. Let's say together, the covenant that we adopted some years ago. Having repented of our sins and having trusted in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and being baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we make the following covenant with God and with one another. By God's grace and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will support the testimony of our church by loving God supremely, by living a spirit-filled Christ-like life, by faithfully worshiping together on the Lord's day, by regularly sharing the gospel with unbelievers, by demonstrating Christ's love to all people, by supporting the global mission's efforts. We will guard the unity of our church by honoring its doctrines, by showing love for one another, by ministering to one another, by praying with and for one another, by speaking in a way that builds up others, by following the leaders chosen by our church. We will support the ministries of our church by giving generously of our finances, by being equipped to serve, by developing a servant's heart, by exercising our spiritual gifts in ministry. We will, when we move from this place, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's Word. Now, just remain standing. In a moment, we're gonna sing our song of commitment, decision to the Lordship, of, of surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Perhaps the Spirit of God has spoken to you in such a way that you sense your need of a relationship with the Son of God. We want to help you. You you can't join the church. You have to go to a class first, but you can come forward and let one of our pastors talk to you and pray with you and counsel you and help you know Jesus. We'd be glad to do that. Let's sing together. Come while we sing